good morning. Great to be with you this morning. If you have a Bible, please find in yours Revelation chapter 8, the 8th chapter in the book of the Revelation. Ever since we arrived to chapter 6, we have changed our location from the church in heaven to the earth below. And what we have been reading about is not good. It is horrific. It is called the Great Tribulation. Jesus says a time like no other. The wrath of the Lamb. And it began with the opening of the seven seal judgments. More recently, we're looking at the blowing of the seven trumpet judgments. And in the near future, we will examine the pouring out of the seven bowl judgments. The wrath of the Lamb. Why the wrath of the Lamb? Why these judgments? Revelation 11 and 15, we read, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Jesus Christ is taking back this world by power and force. The world that we live in has been temporarily handed over to the devil. It is his world. But when the, when the tribulation begins, and the wrath of the Lamb is poured out, Jesus will be systematically taking back this kingdom for himself. <laughs> if anyone were to ask you, what, what is the book of the Revelation all about? Tell them what I just told you. It's the wrath of the Lamb. Jesus is pouring out judgment on this world for the devil, for his fallen angels, and for those who worship him. But also tell them this. The message of this book is written to the church. It is written to them to inform the world, flee from the wrath to come. Flee from the tribulation to come. Flee from that hour that is about to come upon the whole world. So repent today. Believe and be saved. Repent and be rapture ready. And Jesus promises you, Revelation 3 and 10, you will be kept from the hour of testing. <laughs> Last week, we began to conclude our thoughts in Revelation 8 and 13. Notice Revelation 8 and 13. Then I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the Three angels who are about to sound. Three woes because there are three more trumpets to follow. Woe is a warning word. Woe is a warning word intended to warn the non-believer judgment is coming. So repent today and be saved. When the first woe and the fifth trumpet is sounded, all hell breaks loose. Notice as I read Revelation 9. One and two. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Last week we learned this fallen star is the devil himself. And he has been given a key to open the bottomless pit. 
This morning, I want to ask who and how many. Who is in the bottomless pit? And how many are in the bottomless pit? And we don't have to go very far. We are given a clue just by virtue of the word bottomless. No bottom in the pit. In other words, there's plenty of room for more. The second woe and the sixth trumpet judgment begin to answer who and how many. Notice verses 12 through 14. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, one saying to the sixth angel <clears throat> who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. We know these four were in the bottomless pit because John says they were released. Jude 6, and angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. He has kept an eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Jude there is talking about angels that take us back to Genesis 6. And notice the location in verse 14, the great river Euphrates. Genesis 2 informs us this is where sin began. Perhaps these four demon angels have been incarcerated under lock and key from the earliest chapters of the book of Genesis. God had a plan for them. Look at verse 15. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. Will only four be released? Remember, it's bottomless. Look at verses 16 through 19. The number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them, and this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who sat on them. The riders had breastplates the color of fire and of hyacinth and of brimstone. And the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which proceeded out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. John reported that the number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. Now, this is an exact number, is it not? I place that question in our thoughts because John is known for using exact numbers in the book of the Revelation. For example, the 144,000 Jewish believers. They're made up of 12,000 from 12 tribes. The seven angels. John uses the article to precede the seven. They're distinct. They're separate. And in verse 14, the sixth angel released four angels. Those are all precise numbers, and he uses precise numbers all throughout this book. But he also uses general numbers. For example, in Revelation <coughs> excuse me, 5.11, terms like myriads upon myriads, thousands upon thousands to describe large numbers. Or, in Revelation 7 and 9, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count. 
Why not say the army in verse 16 is myriads upon myriads or thousands upon thousands or, or simply say a great multitude which no one could count? Why, why 200 million? Well, 200 million is intended to be interpreted, now get this, as 200 million. Now, why? Why is that important? Before we answer that question, let me address a, a myth some have suggested. Some have suggested this is the human army referred to in Revelation 16 and 12, led by the kings from the east. And because the East is mentioned, and because the Red Chinese Army back in the 1970s reportedly boasted an army numbering 200 million, some have suggested the army from the East is China's army. My eschatology professor had great, for, great advice for us in class one time. He said, uh, please never interpret your Bibles by using the front page news. Always interpret your Bibles by using your Bibles. If we do that, if we listen to him, then we know we're not talking about China in Revelation 9, but the bottomless pit. But there's another reason why I believe this is not China. The language used to describe the 200 million. What language? Hell is written all over them. John noted in verse 17 that the riders had breastplates the color of fire and of hyacinth and of brimstone. The color of fire is red. Hyacinth is dark blue. Brimstone is sulfurous yellow. Those are the colors used to describe fire. But listen, they're also the colors used to describe hell. Turn on your gas stoves and the fire almost looks blue. When it's blazing, it looks a reddish yellow and Fire is associated with hell, not China. Revelation 19 and 20, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. That's hell. Revelation 20 and 10, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. Revelation 21 and 8, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. <laughs> I see another explanation for why they are fallen demons released from the bottomless pit and not any army here on earth. You may recall one-fourth of the human population was killed with a seal being opened in Revelation 6 and 8. And, and I use today's estimates. There's approximately... 8 billion people in the world, one-fourth would be 2 billion people die in Revelation 6 and 8. And now in verse 18, an additional one-third dies. That's an additional 2 billion. 200 million kill 2 billion. But notice this army is not killing with the weaponry of a Chinese militia, but that of hell itself. Verse 19, a third of mankind was killed by these three plagues, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. Hell is a place for the devil and his demons, and we know there are at least 200 million of them. But I must remind you, Jesus added a third group. Matthew 25 and 41, Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, 
and to the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his demons. We know the devil and his demons are in the bottomless pit. We know they're released, but notice there are accursed ones who will inevitably be there. Who are they? Well, look again at verses 20 and 21 in Revelation 9. And the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, about half the earth is left, did not repent of the works of their hands so as to not worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. Now, let me just make a point here. We are living in the day of believe only. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. The word repent in those two verses means to change one's mind. But it's not enough to change one's mind about what you believe and who you believe. Those two verses would remind us repentance has something to do with your behavior. <clears throat> the accursed ones that will join and the devil and his demons are those that refuse to repent. Forgive me for my cough. It's been pretty bad these last few days. Ever wonder why people refuse to repent? We don't have to go very far for our answer. But let me just say this. The reason why people refuse to repent has always been the same. And I would say these five sins that John lists will encompass all of humanity for all time. Sin number one, they did not repent of the works of their hands so as to not worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Worshiping idols they have made with their hands. Do you think people worship what they make? Set aside the old customary worship of idols made from the hands of men out of things like silver and gold, material, physical objects. We, we probably don't see much of that these days in our culture, but what about making a person an idol and then worshiping that person? I think of sports, Hollywood, and the music industry. They worship one another. They idolize one another. And people worship them. That is, they make them bigger than God, and that is always the issue. Only God, only Jesus Christ should be lifted up. What has man done? Well, man pushes God to the margins of his life, and he brings everything and anything to the center of his life. That's idol worship. In our day, the only thing that has changed is the material. The Bible says they worship the creation, not the creator. I bring that to your attention because... I have a distinct feeling that the clean air people are going to be very distressed by all this fire, smoke going up into the air from what has come out of the bottomless pit. We now know from the seven seals, the land has been affected and the plants have been affected and the animals have been affected and the sea has been affected and the sky has been affected and now the air. I can just see the outcry of the people who worship Mother Nature. Notice in verse 20, they worship demons. The very demons that are killing them, they worship. 
that's not an indication of the level of depravity that exists in their minds. I don't know what else can explain it. Did you know to worship an idol or a false deity is in fact to worship demons? Any idol you make out of anything. And one thing we know is that the devil himself is known for possessing the very idol itself. Deuteronomy 32 and 17, they sacrificed to demons who were not God. Psalm 106 and 37, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. Psalm 96 and 5, all the gods of the peoples are demons. 1 Corinthians 10 and 20, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. We cannot separate this morning sacrifice from worship. Worship is an English word that comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word, worth skip, meaning worth. You see, you and I sacrifice a great deal if it's worth it to do so, don't we? Worshiping God is about sacrifice. In the Older Testament, a lamb, an animal. In the Newer Testament, and I might add the older as well, but for point of reference, Romans 12 and 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. God wants us to sacrifice us to worship him. That is our bodies, total devotion, our all. If a person works with their hands to make money, lots of money, and they sacrifice laborious amounts of hours, in order to gain wealth, and then with that wealth, buy what they love. That's the definition of worshiping money. I remind us, Exodus 34 and 14, For you shall not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Did you know one of God's names is Jealous? How jealous is he? Deuteronomy 4 and 24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. God is a consuming fire. The world is experiencing the wrath of the Lamb through the unleashing of fire from the bottomless pit. John describes a second sin, their murders. Murders were at an alarming rate in the 1990s. One year eclipsed 24,000. 2018 brought, brought to us 16,000. I love when the city of Chicago boasts their murder rate is down. But down from what? Listen to what God said after just one murder. Genesis 4 and 10, he said, what, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. You would think man would have learned. The ground is cursed. That's your punishment. You would think he would learn. But, but then we have a second murder in the earlier chapters of Genesis. We arrived to Genesis 9, the Noah covenant. And God says, if man sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, capital punishment. They didn't learn. Man has never learned. Man still takes 
the life of another man. There's a third sin, sorceries. <clears throat> this word comes from a Greek word that we get our word pharmacy or pharmaceuticals from. I think of drugs, the legalization of pot, not to mention what legal drugs have done. Drugs have been both good and bad. I don't know about you, but I like Novocaine when I need to get a cavity filled or pulled. But then you have wicked, evil people who buy up a drug, and then when it's needed, they hold sick people hostage with their greed. I will just say this, in all my years of being around illegal drug users, uh, of which I once was, I have never met one that did not begin with pot. Pot seems to be the gateway drug to so many drugs that are far worse. The fourth sin is immorality, pornea. Immorality is the root word of the English word pornography. <clears throat> it is a general term describing sexual sin of every variety, including fornication, adult, adultery, rape, and homosexuality. The fifth sin, people will refuse to repent of thefts. You can only imagine the level of dishonesty that will exist during this period of Time with no food, clothing, water, shelter, medicines. I love when Main Street thinks Wall Street steals from them. I wonder who Main Street steals from. Just because the dollar amount, God still calls theft, theft. The rest of mankind, not killed by these plagues, John says, refuse to repent. They still want to worship their gods. They still murder. Uh, they still want the freedom to have sexual relations outside of the biblical boundaries. A man and a woman in holy matrimony. They still want drugs. And they still want what is not theirs. Has man really changed? Eh, yes and no. 2 Timothy 3 and 3, 13, but evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen, from the fall of man in the garden, man has been bad, but man is getting worse. Ever wonder why God's wrath is so severe? God's wrath is his love and action against sin. Jude 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Perhaps the worst sin of all. What do you say about Jesus? Do you know what we are supposed to do? I just read for us Jude 15. Jude 23 tells us what to do. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Despite man's rebellion, God still gave tribulation survivors another chance to repent. And the reason? Ezekiel 33 and 11, God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God is a merciful, gracious, compassionate God. He gives them another chance to repent in Revelation 9. But I remind you, Genesis 6 and 3, his spirit shall not strive with man forever. Today is the day of salvation. You know, as best as I can tell, after Revelation 9, we don't see anyone repenting. 
The only salvation that I see after Revelation 9 has to do with the Jewish people. May I end the same way I've ended the last two lessons? Who in their right mind would want to be on earth during this period of great tribulation? Who in their right mind would want their loved ones to be on earth during this period of great tribulation? Who would want anyone to be on earth during this period of great tribulation? The only answer I can give to those questions is we need to preach, repent, and believe. We need to preach, flee from the wrath to come, flee from the tribulation to come, repent and be saved today. Today is the day of salvation. We must tell people to turn from their sins, that they must put their faith in Jesus Christ who died for their sins, that they need to understand who he is, the eternal son of God, and therefore he is God, born of a virgin, lived the sinless life, died on a cruel cross, rose from the dead, and he's coming again. My friend, please do not put off tomorrow what must be done today.